Welcome to the Luminate Collective podcast brought to you by AAB Consulting and I'm your host Shan Parker. In this series we capture candid conversations on life, change, leadership and the world of business. Beyond their titles our guests share their life stories discussing the personal and vulnerable experiences that have contributed to their success. In today's episode, I am joined by Lauren McElroy, partner and head of the virtual finance function at the AAB Group. Stay tuned for her insights and experience in navigating change as a woman within the financial services sector. I'm sure it will leave you inspired and informed. Lauren, thanks so much for coming to have a chat with us today. Um, we're just going to fire it in. We've got so much to get through, so... Take us back to the start. Where were you 11, 12 years ago, all before your current role, all before kids? Where were you and what were you up to? 12 years ago. So 12 years ago, I was just finished my training contract, I think. Is that about right? What year are we? 2023? Yeah, I was just, I'd finished all my exams. I'd finished my, and I was just about to time qualify. So um, I, I trained with Big Four um, in audit and you time qualify after you finish all your exams so you do your exams really really quickly and then you qualify so I'd had probably the two worst summers of my life in my exams <laughs> um, and then I just finished when you were doing the exams all the rest of it what what was that time of life like for you obviously you know we've got loads of people in our lives that are going through what do we do do we go to uni do we not go to uni there's loads of stuff that's come out this week about changes in prices for tuition fees yeah. all the rest of it Looking back on where you were at that point in life, you obviously decided this is what you wanted to do. Mm. You committed to the training and all the rest of it. If you were to go back and do it again, would you do the same thing? Would you have picked the same career path? Oh, what a question, Chad. Do you know what? I went to St Andrews and I loved it. And when I was like 17, I thought I wanted to be a lawyer. And I went and did some work experience with a law firm. And he said, just go to university and do whatever you love, because actually that's the best option. And then if you really want to do law, you can go and do your conversion course afterwards. It's only two years, you can go and do your conversion course. And then but do what you love at university. So I went to University of St Andrews. And I had the best time. I absolutely loved it. It was four years of doing classical studies and international relations. I was the only person to qualify with my degree, funnily enough, because it was so strange. Um, I loved it. And it was such a good experience. And then when I went to Deloitte, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And audit was a good fit because actually it was quite broad. So that worked for me. The The year I started at Deloitte was the very first year that they introduced what was then called the Bright Start Programme, which was the apprenticeship. So before I'd kind of, when I, because I was 22 by that point and they didn't have it when I kind of joined um, when I was 18. And I actually just saw last week in the paper that the very first Bright Start person became yes, a partner. I saw that yeah. as well. But isn't he like 30? He's really young because so he would be me, but four years younger. So he must be 30. He must be 31, 32. Right, right, right. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's crazy, isn't it? He's become a partner at Deloitte and that's just fantastic. I think... Going to university was good for me. I would always been the youngest in my year at school. It helped me actually work out who I was as a person and how it was to make friends and to be kind of away from my parents and different. I think if I'd gone straight into a career, I'm quite a focused person. So I probably wouldn't have done lots of fun things that I did when I was at uni. So going to university and doing it that way was probably the right thing for me. Yeah, totally relate. I remember having a conversation with my dad and he said, you know, what is it you want to study at uni? And 
I decided to go and do fashion design. That was my first degree um, at the art school in Aberdeen. And I absolutely loved it. I've made friends that I'm still best friends with now. We have a group chat. There's like 10 of us (laughs) and they talk every day. Um, Do I work now in the fashion industry? No, absolutely not. Couldn't be farther from it. But I loved it as an experience. So I totally get that. And I think maybe that's the the advice, right? It's like, if you want to do it for the experience, go for it. Don't rely on it. No, and Starting I think your career afterwards. I think different. that's the thing. It's about being really focused on what you want. Like, just do what you love, and if you do what you love, you're going to learn lots of things from it anyway. So, it's funny because people are like, "What on earth did you learn from that?" And I was like, "Well, can you read eight books a week? Probably not. Whereas I can. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very strange skills that you pick up. What do you mean you can read eight, read eight books a week? Well, that's what I had to do at uni. That's unbelievable. I mean, I don't really have time to do it now, but I could do it if I really <laughs> wanted to. Um, but yeah, so it was funny because when we sat when I sat TPE, which is the last um, accountancy exam. It's all case study focused. It's very wordy. And people who d- just done pure accountancy really struggled because it was completely different from what they'd done before. Mm-hmm. They couldn't get through the, the content quick enough. And I was like, this is like the best one ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think it just, it, everybody learns at different paces and they do different things. But yeah, for me, it was definitely the right approach. And I think nice. audit, yeah, it was broad and interesting at the time, but it wasn't what I wanted to do forever. And that mm-hmm. and that's okay because it was a time in my life and that's kind of finished. Yeah, yeah. So... You're in your role, you've done the exams, quite happy. What sort of level are you at at that point? Is that a sort of junior manager level? Yeah, so AM1 I would have been at nice. that kind of level. Okay. So time qualified um, AM1 and I was doing, I was leading kind of lots of audits, had lots of different type of clients, Aberdeen based, so lots of kind of oil field service type clients, um, some energy, some different banking clients I used to work on in London. It was interesting. I travelled a lot Um which was much less interesting when you travel mm-hmm. very, very frequently for work. Um, so it was an interesting time, but quite stressful, mm-hmm. uh, just because you're kind of at that midpoint where you're trying to prove yourself in your career and progress and you're kind of trying to think, what is it that I want to do? Where do I want to go? How does it fit? And it's all quite overwhelming. When it, I think when you're sitting in your exams, you have a very focused route. So your whole kind of life up until so you sit all your exam you go to school you sit your exams you sit your a-levels you go to university sit your exams you get a job you sit your exams all of a sudden you're like 25 you finish all your exams and you're like oh what do you mean i don't have to go home and study for three hours after work and it's a very strange transition yeah we want to focus in on if you can, maybe one moment within that whole experience, not necessarily a specific point in time, but just something that happened that you would class as your bookmark moment, that time where you maybe could have done one thing, but you chose to do another. Um, and that then influenced the rest of the path. Is there anything that sprang into mind that could potentially be your bookmark moment throughout the career that you've had to date? I think for me... Um, it's whenever I left Deloitte, so ages ago, um, when was that, 2013? Well, that's a long time ago. Um, so whenever I left Deloitte, um, the the managing partner at the time said, Lauren, you shouldn't leave. You're really not going to enjoy it. It's not for you. You're a practice accountant. And and I remember thinking, no, I, I just don't agree with you. I'm really tired. I don't want to do this. This isn't working for me. Um, I'm going to leave. And so I, I ignored, ignored what he said. And for me, I hadn't thought he was in any way thinking about me 
and my best interest and I had felt like it had come from a place of the firm's best interest and I thought well that doesn't work for me um and now when I look back on it 10 years later I think maybe maybe he did know me a little bit better than I realized um and do you know what I went and worked in industry and I worked in I don't know five different roles in industry and I got amazing experience in industry, but man, was it hard work to get that experience. Changing jobs that frequently is quite stressful for me as an introverted person because meeting all of those people all of the time was really hard. Um, and learning the businesses and learning what we did and learning how the finance functions work, the different systems, the different processes, that was a lot. And that probably, that's why I love what we do now because I get to go in and do all of those things. But it was a really tough way to learn it. And I definitely would not recommend it as a suitable career path, to be honest. Um, so I, th- I mean, it's definitely not it. And, um, you know, there was all those things on it, on LinkedIn. It's like no wrong path. I mean, mine wasn't a wrong path, but like flips, it was tough. Um, and but part of that was because I was so stubborn that I was like, no, I'm leaving. And... I see you know, now as that partner when people are like, I'm going to go and do this. And I'm like, oh, well, that's a dreadful job. Please don't do that. Like, let's talk about what you could do instead. Or if you don't want to stay, that's OK. I get it. Not everybody wants to stay in the firm. I, I get it. And, I, and I've, I've become my old boss being Whoa. like, and I was like, how has this happened? Um, but it's because I actually really care about the team. I care about their progression. I care what they're doing. And I want them to succeed. And I that has always stood out for me. And I bumped into him a while ago, pre, pre-COVID maybe, um, in the airport. And I talked to him in the airport. And I remember thinking, oh, you were right. And he was right. I learned a lot. and But yeah, I, I took a very different path. Interesting. Love that. Beyond that, you started a family, it is. right? So how did that work with being in the role that you were in, deciding to start a family, going on maternity leave? How was that whole process for you? When I look back now, so I'm, I just turned 36 last week. And when I look back at my 26-year-old self who was pregnant and about to go on maternity leave, I'm not quite sure how I managed it. Um, I It was a really difficult time. I think you become quite fearful of what people think of you and what you're going to do in your career and does that change people's perception of you and do they think that you're going to go and have a baby and not come back or do they think you're going to be because I was always very career focused and did people think I was going to lose my focus and I became I tried to overcompensate I think so I worked more and more and more which wasn't that useful or helpful but that's what I felt I needed to do and do you know what I'm not sure that anybody communicated that to me. I think that was just an inherent fear that I had based on what I'd seen and what I decided was the reality. And I think we base a lot of our decisions on perception rather than actually speaking up and saying, is this what's expected? Because I'm not sure. And I would do that now, but when I was 26, I couldn't. Why? Why do you think you couldn't? What was holding you back? I was always quite fearful of what people thought of me and uh, I always felt a desperate need to prove myself as a person and so I, I've always been quite academic and I find kind of social interactions a bit more difficult so sometimes I would always be like 20 minutes later oh that's what they meant and it just kind of never quite made sense to me at the time so then I often struggled with that is this what I'm supposed to do I'll just not say anything and I'll just work harder to compensate and I've realized as I've got older that that's that's not what I need to do. But at the time, I didn't really realise that. And part of that was, 
when you work in the kind of professional services environment in that kind of very corporate world, unless you have somebody who understands how your mind works, who you are as a person, rather than a transactional relationship with you, they're not going to be able to understand that that's how you work and that's what you need to do. So I'm really conscious of that with my own team in terms of, okay, who are they as people? What does it look like? What do I need to do with them to get the best out of them? As opposed to not everybody's a cookie cutter accountant. It's definitely changing though, right? Like 10 years ago, excuse me, 10 years ago, it was totally different. I think for all women, regardless of what sector they were in. But the financial services piece being dominated by men generally, especially back then, it must have been a really difficult time for you to figure out, okay, how long do I take off? Am I going to take a shorter time off than what's standard because of these expectations both yourself and others around you might have had on you? How how did that whole process work out? That was quite difficult. I... Um, I had quite a difficult pregnancy with with my son, um, and I had I had to go off slightly earlier um, because I was quite unwell and he was quite unwell, um, so I'd had to go off slightly earlier. And I remember answering emails and finishing audit files while I was in hospital, um, and you know I would never expect anybody on my team to do that, um, but I, but that's what I did, and just because I couldn't say no, um, and then I went off. And I'd just been about to be promoted before I left and I hadn't got promoted and they said, we'll promote you when you come back. And that actually felt really disheartening because I was like, I don't know how I can come back, not as a manager. Um, because w- with a manager, you were much more in charge of your own schedule, with your own travel plans, with what you were going to do. And I-, I felt like if I came back as an AM, I wasn't sure how I was going to manage that. Um, so that was really quite difficult. I And I, I had Lucas in September um, and I, I went back back to work in January um, and I didn't go back to Deloitte I went into industry and that was partly because I couldn't see myself in practice with a with a really young baby part of my mat leave was I went on mat leave and thought I think I don't know if you felt like this Shan when you went on mat leave and everybody's like oh it's the best thing ever I went on mat leave and was like this is the worst experience of my whole life like not to be traumatic but it was very lonely um and really very difficult. And I remember with standing at the, my front door waiting for my husband to come home, thinking, this is not something I'm really enjoying and not something I could communicate very well. Um, it was very difficult. Um, so for me, having a shorter mat leave was better. Yeah, that worked for you. And everyone's different, yeah. right? Everyone's got different circumstances, different support different villages around us you know I mean for me I I milked it I took 13 months off (laughs) you know and I I was in a position where my partner works away most of the time so I was usually just at home myself with me and the baby Um, my parents and my partner's parents both live in the same town so I mean every day you know somebody was coming in um, which was great but also I think I thought maternity leave would be get in the buggy, go for a walk, have a coffee, sit at the harbour and, you know, enjoy the sun. Absolutely not. You're lucky if you've got, I don't know, two minutes to get yourself ready in the morning, get out for the day. And before you know it, you've got to get home for their nap and, you you know, you've forgotten the nappies and the shit everywhere. You know, it's all this stuff. And for me, that was, it was tough, but I milked it, I think, because of my situation in a sense where my partner was away I just wanted to take the time at home. But now that I'm back at work, I've been back for around seven, eight months and it's great. You yeah. know, I'm loving it. And I think that that's, that's part of it, right? So after you 
came back to work, you took your maternity leave off. Did they promote you? I really hope they did. Oh, because, I left. Oh, you left. Of course. I left when I was so, on that leave. This is interesting. So you decided taking the time off and then you had the conversation. Did you have the conversation with them before you finished? Or oh. I hadn't decided when I left. Okay. So I hadn't decided. And I didn't think being nine months pregnant and making a decision about my career was yeah. a very good idea. So I was yeah. like, I'll decide after I've had a baby instead, which I'm not sure that's a better idea. Um, so I, yeah, I, I left. So I, I think I handed in my notice in the December um, and, had, and started my new job in January. Wow. When you were in practice, you loved it to a certain point, then things started to change. What was it that started putting you off it and made you think, no, sure, this is quite for me? Yeah, so when I was in practice, when I first was in practice, um, for me, it was, I really enjoyed it, the pace of it. It was really, really busy all the time. But it just started to become overwhelming. So I was traveling all the time. Um, I had some Houston clients where I would go for two weeks, be back for a week and go away again for two weeks. And it just that started to become just quite separated from my life because actually I missed lots of stuff. I started to not be there for things. I missed seeing my friends. I missed um, seeing my my husband. And, and I was kind of just all alone a lot. And we started to think, I'd, I'd just turned 26. And we started to think, okay, do we want to have a family? What does that look like? What does that work for, for us? Um, and I kind of thought, yeah, I, I do want to have a family. And then it was actually a bit more difficult than we thought it was going to be. Um, I suffered a miscarriage and then I came back to work the next day and when I think about that now I think that's absolutely insane and everyone around me was like what are you doing and but I came back because I felt like I had to go back I didn't feel like I could open up to anybody about what had happened I didn't feel like I could share because I thought if I shared where I was at and what had happened then I would be kind of I had to then explain the whole we wanted to have a child thing and I didn't want to do that it was a very personal thing I didn't want to share that we had started to think about having a family I thought that that was going to impact my career progression and what that looked like so instead I just went back to work and actually that was a terrible idea um I I think that actually was a massive change in my life in terms of I, I associated that with with practice and I kind of thought okay well this is because of practice this is what this looks like this is what it takes you to this is what you become and actually that's not true but part of the issue was I couldn't open up to anybody I didn't have the right support network at work around me I didn't have the right people around me at work and so therefore I was quite isolated and I then kind of perpetrated that isolation by not sharing so for me if I don't have that kind of safe environment of people and people who understand me I just don't share anything um, and I'm just really closed and and that's really what had happened so then I associated that with practice and the shine just left. How did you get beyond that? You know, you went back to work the next day. That must have been an incredibly difficult rest of the week, rest of the month, just trying to kind of put a face on, put a mask on, turn up for the day. But deep down, you were kind of going through this huge trauma and, and, and grief to a certain point as well. Um, how did you move past that? Did you move past that? At the time, probably not. Yeah. Um, I kind of just compartmentalised it all and left it alone and... I hadn't really realised how dangerous that was until all of those kind of things started to come up un unbidden. They just kind of came at different points in my life as I as I got older and what that looked like and it just kind of came out. And so actually not dealing with it and ignoring it was the worst thing I could have done. Um, and I 
I think that was partly why I had I had relatively bad postnatal depression after I had Lucas and I think part of it was that because I just hadn't dealt with a lot of the emotions and the feelings before. Mm, that processing of, of the trauma, you know, we're all terrible for it. We just bury it, it down, don't we? And until <laughs> you actually get to the point where you feel you can talk about it and open up about it, only then can you start to kind of process it, yeah. I think, right? Talk to us about the new job. How did you come across them? What made you choose it? All that stuff. So um, I went to a big uh, subsea company. I worked there um, in the international report, external, what is it called? URTA, external reporting and technical accounting team. Okay. It's a mouthful. Um, <laughs> and it was it was really interesting, actually. And I I found it through, I think, a recruiter. Um, or maybe there was a, no, actually, I think it was a director on the website. I kind of started looking at big companies that I could work for with big finance teams. So I thought that would suit me best. Um, so. Kind of quite flexible in terms of what we needed to do and I thought well, I quite like that and I went and I met a few of the team really liked them it was a very technical role which is what I liked so I thought okay this is a good kind of nice wee entry into industry um, it was less around kind of running a finance team and more around actually just providing a service to the company which is I thought that suits me quite well so that was quite so I started that in the January but it was a big change mm. Um, I'd worked I'd only worked at Deloitte for my whole professional career so moving was a big change um, and I think not everybody I don't I certainly didn't understand before I left how overwhelming it would be to meet like 200 people all at once <laughs> yeah for sure but also going through that situation of having a young baby at home starting a new job with people you didn't necessarily know that's that's such huge amount of change all at once. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't recommend you know? it. Yeah, <laughs> I remember, I remember thinking, "What am I doing?" And I went to, I went to work, and nobody knew me, and nobody knew that my baby was so small, and that he was a terrible sleeper as well. So, like, I was so tired, and I was trying to be like, "Oh no, I'm, I'm good. I'm not tired." And you know, it was. But I forged really good friendships there, and I've, I've still got them actually. And part of that is because some of it was just this is new for, for me and this is who I am and this is what I do and it was, yeah, but it was difficult. Do you think being a woman in that environment has, I mean, I'm asking, do you think? We all know, of course, it has its challenges, right? Like there's there's so many different things we could go into detail about, but I'm keen to know from your experience looking back what are some of the things that you at the time maybe thought I know this is totally I'm being discriminated against because I'm a woman here um can you speak up in those moments is there times when you maybe look back thinking I wish I had done something differently I wish I'd maybe dealt with that differently anything that springs to mind I'm keen to learn about those experiences that you had yeah I think so I worked in a number of different jobs in industry and there was a variety of different people that I met and there was lots of different things that happened. Um, and there was a few times that I heard people speak about things, I heard people say things and I just let it go. And I remember thinking I should have said something and I didn't. And it was in terms of, oh, well, you know, they're always leaving to do child pickup, they're doing this. And it was just kind of disparaging comments around what women do and, and why we're always leaving. And they get, it was interesting because it's like, well, they just, you know, they actually get a lot more slack cut for them. And you're thinking, no, they're going home to do another job at home. It's a different thing. Um, and they're getting the call for nursery pickup because their husband hasn't got the call for nursery pickup and he can stay at work and they can't. And I and so now I would absolutely speak up by the time I didn't. And there was a job I had in industry where I was 
um, I should have been the next CFO. Um, and we had a chat around it, what it looked like. And the, the kind of response was, well, actually, they would prefer a male presence on the board rather than a female. Um, and at that point, I was like, OK. And I didn't say anything. And I, I just said, OK. Um, and I handed my notice in the next day. Um, and obviously it was related to that, but I, I didn't say anything about it at all. And I just nodded, I think partly because I was so surprised that those words came out of their mouth. Um, because I really was that surprised. Um, because although you hear about it, you think, well, that's not going to happen to me. And I'll be okay. And for a long time, I was a woman that thought, I'm not actively a feminist. Um, I work really hard and that's why I'm going to succeed. And what I've realised probably in the last five years is it's not about actually compensating for being a woman. It's about having an equal playing field and the playing field is not equal. Um, and I hadn't really appreciated that until I went to some really interesting talks and I met a few different people who actually opened up my mind around things. And I think very successful women sometimes think well I got here because I worked really hard and I'm going to pull up the ladder behind me as opposed to let it down a bit lower and that is just not what I'm about I want the ladder to be let down lower because actually I want excellent people coming up behind me I want excellent women to succeed and I don't want it to be difficult why is it more difficult for us it shouldn't be and we should actively be making it easier not more difficult than other people I've had men champion and sponsor me more than some women and that just feels ridiculous now it does but it's also interesting right because people automatically think if there's a woman in a senior position great it's a shoe-in um but we are very similar you know we have both a woman and a man in senior position within our team and they both could not be more supportive regardless of gender regardless of sexual orientation anything it's just there's there's no discrimination there which is fantastic but I appreciate that's not the case yeah. everywhere um again I definitely think it's getting better there's better representation of women in senior positions but nowhere near where it needs to be right um but I think that's a really important point that it doesn't just need to be women who champion women it can also be men who champion women and we see so many great examples of that so why not um, I think so. And I think it's about getting some men to understand the role that they play. And I think sometimes they, they play that role subconsciously and they don't really realise. And until they're challenged around something, they don't realise why it needs to be different. So, and I think there's some policies that we've worked on um, at AAB in terms of, okay, this is what we need to do. This is what it looks like. And I had a chat with them. Um, a partner and I said well why wasn't it like this before and he was like well nobody ever asked me and that really stuck with me because I actually thought if nobody's speaking up and nobody's asking nothing is going to change we're just going to remain in this status quo of okay well this is the way it is because this is the way it's always been but that does not mean it needs to be like that forever yeah for sure how do you inspire somebody to be better or be their best version um what what do you do to get the best out of people so I think with our team, um, I'm just really open and honest and there's things which are difficult and I, things which are hard. There's hard conversations to be had, but there's also fantastic things to do. So it's around actually communicating as much as possible with the team, explaining who we are, what we're doing, making sure kind of everybody gets that, addressing the issues when they come up. So I think for me, that's the thing which actually makes a big difference. 
people might be unhappy with what we've done, but we've done it for a reason. Um, and normally the reason is for the good of the team. And it's about actually trying to communicate that in a way that's helpful to the team so they understand. If you just ignore kind of problems and issues as they come up, they're not going to go away. They're just going to get bigger. Um, and it's around kind of communicating that, making sure everybody gets that and bringing them along with the journey with, the, with you. So after you joined the firm that you're with now, AAB, you were there for a bit of time and then you made director pretty quickly. What did you do? What was the time frame? How did that all go? What did you do looking back? What would you share with others who might want to do the same thing? So I joined AB um, five, just over five years ago. Um, I joined a senior manager, as you said, Shan, and then I made director in two years. Two years. Yeah, oh. so two years. Um, so I think I joined in the May and then I made director two, following, two years in the following April. Um, and it was an interesting journey for me. Um, so I knew what I wanted to do in terms of virtual finance function. That's the department that I look after. I was very clear about that. But for me, it was all around the relationships that I found difficult. So when I joined AB, it was quite a tight partnership group. and um, They'd known each other a long time. Everybody was kind of familiar with each other. Um, and I felt really different. I remember turning up to um, a meeting to present and... I just felt like I stood out like a sore thumb. I was probably wearing, a, I think I was wearing a bright green dress, very similar to this colour actually. And everyone else was in a blue shirt. And I was oh. like, oh, I'm, I look really different. And it hadn't really occurred to me before that I was quite different. And so I find that a bit of a struggle. And sometimes, so I'm quite, I can be quite anxious as a person. And for me, I, that can sometimes come across as quite cold, um, and I do. I do. I I am quite aware of that now as I've got older. And so when people first meet me, if I'm really quite nervous, I think they think I, I can just be quite cold and quite harsh. And that so it's not meant. It's just that's my kind of oh anxious type behaviour. Um, so it was it was quite difficult for me to develop some of those relationships, and I needed people to champion me because they could be like no, Lauren's actually this, this and this. You just need to take the time to get to know her. The situation you're in now, obviously a high-performing team, working really well together, super cohesive. What are the things that you're doing that are ensuring that that team works to the best of its ability? What are the small things you do maybe on a weekly, monthly basis that you think would be transferable perhaps to other teams regardless of the the sector I think we communicate as much as possible um so we have a weekly managers meeting where we talk about people we talk about jobs we talk about any issues that may arise before they arise um I'm very keen with the team that we unearth things as and when we need to and don't leave anything to kind of fester and be left alone we act on feedback as quickly as we can we try and make what changes we can but then we explain things that we can't change so obviously part of a much larger group sometimes people don't like things but we can't do anything about that there's some processes that we can't change because actually we need them um but it's about communicating that and about getting people to kind of understand okay this is why we do this and I've I've always been really keen to kind of make sure that that is what we do and everybody comes on the journey with us in terms of okay we do this for a reason and this is why we do this but equally it's around celebrating who we are as a team saying okay we've done a fantastic job. This is what this looks like. This is why this has worked in a way. This is who helped in that. And for me, um, so I, I travel a lot. 
around all the different offices and the different places, different clients. So I'm not there kind of physically with the team as much as I used to be. Um, and that for me has been a, a big change actually probably in the last 12 months. And part of that is about having a fantastic manage- management team. They are empowered to do the things. They don't need me. Um, well, they need me in terms of, you know, I can't go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but they don't need me for the kind of, the, I've, they, I want them to kind of push forward and make decisions. And I think it's around trust with the team. If you make a mistake, it's okay. Everybody makes mistakes, but it's about being open and, and upfront and dealing with the mistake at the time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so within the first few years at AEB, you were promoted to director level. Brilliant. You had your second baby. You took some maternity leave as well. It is. How was this time different to the maternity leave you took with your first child or was it was it different uh, it was much shorter actually with Emma so um I had Emma I worked all the way up to the f- Friday I think and I went into hospital on the Saturday in labor um and so but I was okay with that that was kind of what I wanted I was yeah. like I want to work all the way up um and so I did that and I knew I was only going to take seven weeks off on mat leave um, and that was what I wanted to do so I took seven weeks off and then I went back to work part-time um until the December and then I was back full-time from the January um and that worked for me that was what I wanted to do I'd already decided that before I was having her um I for me maternity leave I found really stressful not working I know that doesn't that's maybe a bit strange sounding but I find that quite stressful not knowing so I I checked my emails when I was on mat leave because actually I wanted to. I didn't do anything when I was off kind of on that first six weeks, but I just, I liked to be involved and that worked for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, you were an integral part to the growth of that department, right? And that team. And if anything, you probably felt quite responsible and accountable for ensuring that things continued at the same pace that they had up until you finished. So it's, it's totally understandable. And as you say, everyone's different. There's no right, there's no wrong at least you have the options. Um, yeah, I think I found it quite difficult because I got some feedback um, after I came back that I'd been a really poor example as a role model by taking such a short time. And I find that really hard. And and I kind of irrationalised, kind of, well, not rationalised, but I, 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 do, I kind of dwell on it a bit afterwards. And I realised that the perception of our behaviours when we're quite visible across um, business can can be completely different than what we expect it to be and I hadn't really appreciated that and I find that hard um because would I ever ask I would never ask anyone to reduce any kind of childcare leave or or anything but it worked for me so I found the the, what felt like judgment really hard Mm. did you have a different anticipated perception of what everybody would have thought did you almost think oh my gosh she's coming back so quickly amazing as opposed to oh she's coming back so quickly what is that I just thought people wouldn't care Shan. yeah see I did, and so I just I didn't think people would even yeah. I didn't even really think it would appear on anyone's radar so then when it did and in a negative way I was like wait <laughs> what and I so I find that hard mm-hmm. but as you say you know in a position a visible position of course people are going to be aware of course they are and looking back now 
that was a decision that was right for you, that absolutely does not mean that that is the Ooh. expectation for others. I think the point is everybody has their own decision to make in that moment and whatever you decide is the right decision regardless of what anybody else thinks even though apparently they do care quite a lot so <laughs> which is really strange I just yeah I think for me I've always been quite like this is what I wanted this is what I want to do and I'm going to do it this way and this is kind of why it works and I, I try not to kind of let other people's kind of perceptions affect that so then when it when mine all of a sudden was making people feel negatively I was like oh no that that's not what I wanted and I often I felt like but then I kind of felt like I needed to justify why I'd done it mm -hmm. and then I thought well this isn't an enjoyable position to be in. and I just mm -hmm. yes that was strange as you said earlier here we are however many years later the kids are quite happy and it is what it is you made that decision in the moment and I think as you? well like whenever I had Emma so my second child um it was COVID and it was still in lockdown and it was, so she was at home with me, even though I was working. So I worked, AB were actually unbelievably flexible with me. I worked when I, I worked kind of core hours in the middle and then I worked the rest around when I could. And people used to just phone me so they could see Emma. She used to like sit on a sling um, to see her and people would, like, that was kind of when everybody just was on team schools permanently. I remember Graham Allen calling me for our weekly catch up and he was like, oh, where's Emma? Is she not here? And I was like, no, Graham, are you not talking to me? And he was like, oh, oh. I was like, you could look less disappointed. Um, and it kind of just became, but it was because it was COVID, it was a very unique sense of like set of circumstances. I think if I'd had to drop her at nursery, I would have found that more difficult. Um, but because she was there, it was fine. Mm -hmm. And that's an important point, right? You know, it's not as if you just dropped everything, took her to nursery and went back to work full time. Like you were very much balancing that at home life as we all were kind of unknown how long this is going to last for. And how did you find that? That must have been pretty tough being at home all the time, having to work, having to have a newborn. Ooh. It was hard. And, and Lucas was seven. Um, so he was. we were homeschooling Lucas. We were at home. Emma was a baby, a terrible sleeper. I have terrible sleeping children. Um, not now, but then. Um, and I was tired and it was a lot. And I remember I had a like stand-up argument with Lucas about fractions. And I was like, I'm an accountant. I know how to do this. He was like, this is not the way the teacher said. And I was like, <laughs> why is this my life? Um, but yeah, I think that the balance was really, really hard. Being separated from family and everybody was really tough. Um also moved house during COVID and lockdown that was really hard you know just really silly things that actually maybe that wasn't the brightest idea but at the time felt like fine um yeah it was tough um but it was it was in terms of it was very flexible so I could pick things up and but part of the reason I could do that was because I have a very I was very senior so I was able to do that I was able to afford myself a lot more flexibility which not everybody has you know it, I was in a very unique and very privileged situation to be able to have that flexibility. Mm -hmm. And the firm helps with that as well, right? That's kind of something that even now, everything is very much a get the work done when it suits you, as long as it gets done to the standard it needs to get done to, nobody's going to say anything. I don't think mm -hmm. so. And I think that's the thing. It's all around trust. And I trust mm -hmm. the team. Everybody's a grown up. You know, they don't need to be telling them when to do things. They know when they need done by and they know what they've got to do. Mm -hmm. And so that's fine. Brilliant. And I suppose the visibility that you're in now, so the position that you're in, you're fully visible to the majority of um, colleagues and they probably see you and think, 
wow, Lauren's not that much older than me. She's in a great position. She's done really well for herself. And the fact that they know they can come to you and have those conversations is brilliant. And it's also just a testament to your leadership as well. You know, you're obviously doing a fantastic job. Um, and if anything, I'm really pleased that I can now call you a friend, <laughs> not just a colleague. Um, so thank you so much for coming and sharing your stories, sharing your wisdom, because that's what this is all about. There's been loads of great stuff in there. So um, yeah, thank, thank you, you so much. much, Lauren. <laughs>